When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the Josh and Chuck Electric Freakout featuring Matt. (laughs) Guest producer Matt Standing in, uh, you may also know it as Stuff You Should Know. Right. Matt of Lions and Scissors. Band yeah, fame. Playing soon. Killer band. They have a MySpace page, right, Chuck? Yes. Yeah? We plugged it before. Yeah. So okay. we're not going to do it again. No. Which I think we just did, though, buddy. That's all right. Chuck, um, I don't know if you were paying attention or not, but the United States pretty much dominated the uh, 20th century in every way conceivable. USA. USA. Exactly. That that was chanted quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You remember Rocky? Oh, yeah. Uh, beat the Russian guy. Yeah, sure. And, um, uh, that was just one accomplishment of many. Rocky four, five. Rocky four, Right. Um, so, yeah, we, we uh, successfully fought just about every war we engaged in. Yeah. Our uh, economy just thrived. Did you know that the per capita GDP in 1900 for the United States was $4,096? Not bad. Not bad. For By then. 1999, it was $9,671. Doesn't seem like that much of an increase. No, not But think about the time. population increase. Uh, so actual GDP uh, in 1900 was 28.6 billion dollars. Wow. In 1999, it was 9.268 trillion dollars. Wow. Yeah. So basically, we rocked the hizzy uh, yes. during the 20th century, right? <laughs> yeah. Now it's 2009. It is. Uh, we're engaged in land wars with insurgent groups in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes, we are still. And I guess you could replace engaged with mired. Maybe um, the uh, the dollar is being abandoned uh, or considered being abandoned as the universal currency in favor of a basket of currencies, right? Which is, spells trouble. A cornucopia. <laughs> yeah, that's another way to put it, buddy. Uh, and our housing market caused a worldwide financial collapse. Yes. So America's not looking well, quite as bright and shiny as, as we used to. Before we get tons of emails saying it wasn't just that. It was. <laughs> Um, had a lot to do with it. So this is this has caused a lot of people to wonder whether the turn of the the 21st century was actually the end of the American century, right? You know, especially with the rise of BRIC, Brazil, sure. Russia, India, and China, and specifically India and China, their enormous development, right, has made people think, well, China is the next United States, right? Well, I know everyone always thinks uh, that it's hard to not be in the moment and realize that the greatest civilizations always fall at some point. Sure. It's going to happen. I mean, it may not be anytime soon, 
but fast forward a thousand years, and America might be a barren wasteland, like the Matrix or something. <laughs> was there was it a barren wasteland? I don't. Yeah, I remember it, when he but... showed him on TV, and it was this you know destroyed. Matt is, is Matt's not agreeing with you. Yeah, I'll, like I'll go destroyed with buildings. I'll go with the general consensus. This is here. the real world. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, but we'll, we'll we'll have our day. I say I'm I'm with you. I say that the United States century, the American century, is not over yet. I I agree. And the reason why is I think that during the 20th century, the American dream, this this idea that Everyone has an equal shot at um, pursuing his or her own goal under the free market capitalist system. Which is not true, but it's a nice thought. I think – but I think that thought, the American dream, whether it's possible to realize it or not, right. was su- so successfully packaged that it was able to be exported to the rest of the world that right. kind of caught on. Sure. Have you ever heard of Thomas Friedman's Golden Arches Theory of Conflict Prevention? Uh, does it have to do with McDonald's? Yeah. Then I have heard of it. So, yeah, the, 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 back before, I think the Balkan War, uh, no two countries that both had a McDonald's engaged in armed conflict against one another. That's great. After the point that both of them had the McDonald's. Yeah. You until, know until the Balkans. Because they were pretty stoked about their fries and their Big Macs. You could say that. You could also say that cause or correlation does not prove causation, but still right. it's pretty interesting and it makes a good point that and it's a that symbol actually more than anything. It I is. So just like a coke machine. Like you can sure. find coke machines in the most remote countries uh, areas of the world. Right. And you can say that that's basically you're exporting democracy through successful capitalism, right? right? Happy juice. That's also going on right now that that continued export um with this thing called micro-lending. That's the longest setup we've ever done. Yeah, but, dude, it was good. <laughs> yeah, micro-lending is pretty cool. This is a good article, dude. Thank you. Well done. Thanks a lot, buddy. So, Josh, as you know, because you wrote it, uh, <laughs> micro-lending doesn't necessarily refer to the size of a loan. It's not necessarily an itty-bitty loan. It's although, not the size of the loan. It's how you use it. <laughs> right. It's a, That's actually very true. Thanks. Um it's uh it refers to the uh the qualifications of the borrower. Right. Although it usually is a small loan. Right. One of the big flaws in that American dream that capitalist free market system where supposedly everybody has an equal opportunity at obtaining success through right. their own hard work sure. is that you usually need startup capital, right? Right. Even if you're selling hot dogs on the street, you got to buy the you got to buy the cart, the you got to buy the dogs. Like you know? my bloody mary stand last year at the golf tournament. I was not there for that. Well, I wasn't I had, invited, if I, I had remember to, correctly. I had, to my front yard? Yeah. I had to uh, invest in the... Oh, yeah. That's the one where the yeah. cops came and busted it up, sure. right? I, yeah. I lost all that money that I invested in the that Bloody Mary stinks. supplies. That's yeah. what happens when the fuzz turns up. But startup costs, sure. Yeah. The thing is, is where do you go for startup costs? You generally go to a bank. And, well, banks are run by capitalists themselves. They're looking to turn a buck. Of course. So... As they should. They have certain criteria that people have to meet right. to... To to be uh, accepted for a loan application, right? Right. So the problem is, is the there's huge masses of people, generally the working poor, who are usually excluded from this. They don't have collateral. Of course not. Um, they they might not have an education to back up this right. this uh, entrepreneurial. Probably no spirit. credit history or loan history to right. begin with. So they're not meeting the criteria. They can't get the loan, and therefore they can't obtain self sufficiency through their own hard work. Or achieve the American dream. It's a, it's a flaw. It's a caveat to that that it system, is. right? Right. So what micro lending does is it kind of fills that gap between the these excluded groups, right, and self sufficiency, right, by loaning to people who I put it in the article that traditional lenders would consider are are, are mindlessly risky. Yeah. 
You know, these loans are mindlessly risky. Yeah. That's why a dude like uh, Muhammad Yunus is deserved the Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah. Big yeah. time. Yunus is a uh, Bangladeshi economist who yeah. founded this uh, microlending institution called the Grameen Bank. Can I read his quote? Yeah. I love it, man. It's inspiring. Uh, he said, if banks lent to the rich, I lent to the poor. If banks lent to men, I lent to women. If banks required collateral, my loans were collateral free. Right. Here's your Nobel Prize. He also lent to the illiterate yeah. by by not having too much paperwork. Yeah. And uh, poverty, rural areas. Rural areas where there were no banks. I mean, like, think about the, how little access you have to start up capital. There's no bank anywhere near you. Uh-huh. So he sent people out to these villages to sign people up for loans. Uh-huh. Um, and he did it pretty aggressively, but aggressively in the favor of these other people. Right. Uh, rather than aggressively... Trying um, to make money himself. Right. Right. Um, so he founds Grameen Bank, I think in the 90s, and it's actually successful. Yeah. I love is, the business model. It's so cool. Yeah. Just the whole uh, thing you pointed out about the, the what he counts on to get the loan repaid is um, almost like honor. It is. Uh, in, in traditional societies, there's a lot of there's a lot at stake with a good name. Uh-huh. And when you borrow money, you're putting your good name on the line, right. which is how you got the money in the first place, usually your family name. Right. So if you don't repay it, you're basically you know, damaging your, family your, your whole family's image, right? Yeah. So that doesn't uses, go over so well here, I bet. No. It's, I bet people no. will be like, hey, thanks for the money. So long, chump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so they use social pressure, right? The traditional social pressures that are already in place to ensure loan repayment, right? right? Which happens on a weekly basis, is that correct? Yeah, m- people make weekly repayments because it's usually much more affordable. Yeah. And the dude, the bankers on bikes, I love that. These guys ride around on bicycles and visit them, and they give them, you know, their little payment for that week. Yeah, they're they're collection agents, and they'll have maybe several in each village or right. whatever. So these people are also these people's neighbors, right? But they're not like threatening collection agents, that not sounds, necessarily. I don't think name. with Grameen Bank it's very threatening, right? Um, but yeah, so imagine a guy who's a collection agent that's also your neighbor who works for a lending right. institution that you borrowed from uh-huh. showing up at your front door every week yeah. in a society where your good name's on the line. You're going to make those repayments. Yeah. And it's successful, actually, um, uh, not just Grameen Bank, but across the board with micro lending in general, they have a 97% rate of repayment, which is which awesome. beats traditional banks. It's proof that it works. It is proof that it works, or right? Or at least 97% of the time. So let's talk about how it works. The you know, Grameen Bank and other micro lending institutions aren't running around and just grabbing like, you know, Pedro and and um, Shoshana off the street. Those are just two names I came up with. I could tell you were flailing about searching. <laughs> they they don't grab them and and say, hey, here's some money. Take some money, you know. Right. These people actually have to have you know business plans or at least ideas of what they're going to use the. These the are money entrepreneurs for. Exactly. without an opportunity, basically. And so what it is is they're funding people in developing countries, uh, which, as I said before, is kind of a, an extension of the entrepreneurial spirit that the U.S. is founded right. on. And it's happening overseas now, right? Spreading a little bit of, the, bit of that capitalist love worldwide. <laughs> right. Which is love, love. <laughs> so, Chuck, like I said, let's talk about how it works. If you wanted to go and, and, and make a loan, how would you do this? Would you go to Grameen Bank, fly to Bangladesh, <laughs> yeah. go, here's some money, give right. this to this person? You need to get a loan to get the plane ticket, though. Right, yeah. No, you would go online um, is one way to do it. And I, I like the, the model you use. That, well, there's two ways. There's... The not-for-profit model and right. the, and the uh, profit model. Right. But should we talk about Kiva.com first? Yeah. That's a good one. That's the not-for-profit model, correct? Right. And uh, basically, you you will present your business plan as an applicant uh, 
from places like Lebanon, uh, Tajikistan, Mali. All over the place. All over the place. And Nicaragua has a lot of people on there. Yeah, Nicaragua. Yeah. And then there's users on the other end that, that sign up and actually contribute toward this loan uh, in good faith that you have a 97% chance of getting your money back with no profit attached. But it's uh, it's a goodwill gesture, and basically they people contribute as little as $25 until that loan amount is uh, full. Right, so it'll be like you know somebody's picture. Yeah, and then like the name of their business, uh-huh. and then like what their business does. It's almost like adopting a person in a foreign country. It's very much like that, actually. And you're kind of you're kind of adopting their business temporarily, yeah. right? So so, cool. so it'll also have a description of what they plan on using that specific loan for, right? So it'll be right. like maybe purchasing timber for resale or um, purchasing agricultural supplies like seed or whatever, right? Um, and <clears throat> It has like a little bar, and it has the loan amount, the total, what they need at the end, and then it'll fill up as people contribute. So a lot of different people can contribute to a single loan, and it reaches 100%. And in a lot of cases, a site like Kiva um, will use a a third-party lending institution, like maybe Grameen Bank in Bangladesh, but a local community bank usually to actually issue the loan, right? Yeah, you can't just send them a check. Because they wouldn't have anything to do, you know. No, sometimes they do. Sometimes oh, really? the, some some sites actually do issue um, these loans themselves. Oh, okay. But for the most part, they'll, they they serve as a uh, intermediary between a you or I who's right. contributing our money and which of know, course the, we don't do the bank, which we could though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and actually, the cool thing about Kiva is that you can contribute as little as twenty five bucks. Yeah, I'm going to sign up for this. And also, Chuck, they have gift certificates too. So the cool thing about the gift certificate is, is like, let's say you give a gift certificate to me. And what you've done is Never you've happened. made a, you, sh- you better do this. <laughs> um, you've contributed 25 bucks basically in my name. Right. To this, this, uh, g- whoever's business. Right. In Nicaragua. Yeah. And I get the 25 bucks back. Oh, really? The, Did I write it distinction, off? The distinction, I don't think so. Oh, okay. If you do, you're a cheap bastard. <laughs> um, the distinction is that you, don't get any extra money back. Well, no, there's no interest uh, return on your investment. No, there isn't. But these people are paying interest. The average, uh, lo- the average interest on a micro loan worldwide is about thirty-one percent. Does that just keep the whole thing afloat? Is that what they use that money for? Supposedly, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. Because there's actually criticism of micro lending. Yeah, I saw that. believe it or not. Yeah. So that's the not-for-profit one. It's really just a socially responsible investment where you can usually expect to get your full amount back, but not any interest. Right. Then there's the for-profit model, right? Yes, like uh, microplace.com. Yeah, that's pretty much the – that's on par with Kiva. It's like those are the two big micro-lending right. sites. And this isn't a bad thing uh, because people are trying to make a profit either. No. It still works out great. They get their money, and um, you can get a yield as high as 5%. Which I, I was reading an Not article, bad. and some guy was saying, compare that to CDs. I know. You know, you, you get a CD that's that's giving you 3% interest. you got a great CD right there. And a CD doesn't give some uh, poor uh, Bangladeshi a leg up. No, it doesn't. For his uh, pedicab business. Although there are, if you have um, a 401k and you start looking around, more and more uh, investment banks are creating mutual funds that loan to micro lenders. Right. right. Like Grameen Bank, that kind of thing. Right. I have so a personal you, story about this, actually. I want to hear it, buddy. You didn't know this, did you? No. I, I worked on a, uh, I did a voiceover for a friend's documentary he did about the tsunami survivors. And he, he works for a nonprofit agency, like mm-hmm. missionary work type thing. And I did the uh, narration for it. And... 
one of his uh, one of the guys he focused on like four different stories. Yeah. One of his stories was a guy who had a pedicab, you know, the little bicycle cabs, and he got a micro loan. I don't remember who it was from after the tsunami to buy a second and third pedicab, and then the money he got from that, he opened a little store, like a little small hut store. But the dude was able to build a house and like restart his family. His lost his whole family. He met another woman and they ended up having kids. And cool. Just like the coolest story. That is a great. And story. I don't think he had to borrow more than like a hundred bucks or something, man. Well, that's that's a point actually. Yeah. That, um, goes the, a long the way. Twenty five bucks. I think in the article I compared it to the Peruvian, um, the Peruvian Sole. Yeah. Um, so twenty five bucks on August tenth, two thousand nine, when I wrote this article. Uh, the the exchange rate was I think seven twenty five U S dollars to seventy three yeah. Peruvian soles right yeah so I mean if you if if somebody gets a thousand dollar loan that's almost three grand in soles mm-hmm. which that's a that's a ton of cash you can buy a lot of timber yeah and pedicabs I have a personal story about micro lending really I borrowed some money from my dad once and I still have an outstanding <laughs> balance is that why your leg is broken yeah. Well, my thumb. And that's funny you should bring that up, my friend. Loan sharks. That was a great setup. Yeah. You may notice that this is actually, it bears a striking resemblance to loan sharking. Right. Which still exists in a lot of countries. And actually, I read that micro lenders are starting to give loan sharks a run for their money because there is no attendant threat of violence. Driving them out of business. And their interest rates are much, much lower. Yeah. What is it? I, I looked it up, actually. I couldn't find what a loan shark rate w- might be. Oh, often like a 1,000%, 300%. Yeah. It, it just astronomical amounts. That's unreal. Yeah. And you, you will have your legs broken. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, you know, Muhammad Yunus, he won the Nobel Peace Prize. He's not really into <laughs> right. leg breaking, right. I don't think. Not anymore. No. And you can tell, look at him. Did you see him in the article? He's got his little Nehru jacket on. I and didn't he see just that. looks like, you can trust me. I help the poor. Here's $25. Go build a business. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, that, that little amount that you contribute really has a huge effect in, in the developing world, right? Right. Um, so that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of how it works. Like I said, there's mutual funds. Right. That back uh, these. Right. And supposedly um, it actually does have an impact. A lot of people, as we were saying, that mm-hmm. export of capitalism, of the American dream. Yeah, I like the tie you made there or that other people have made that you highlighted. Well, there's a, there's a theory that um, globalization prevents war. Yeah. It can... hasn't been fully panned out yet. A lot of people thought that. The, the interdependent economies right. of the 1920s and 30s would prevent war, and we still had World sure. War II. Um, so that's that, that, that kind of undermined that. I personally think that we just weren't at the stage of globalization yet that we are now. And right. that I think globalization can prevent war just because money trumps I- ideology any day, right. especially if you are in such a position of power. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that you are commanding armies or economies or nations or whatever, right. you're you're probably going to go with your economy over ideology, yeah. right? I got another quote from your own article. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <laughs> well, this kind of backs that. This is what the Nobel Committee said when they awarded Yunus uh, the prize in '06. Uh, Lasting peace cannot be achieved unless large population groups find ways in which to break out of poverty. And dude, that's pretty succinct. Yeah, a lot of people were surprised when Unius won the uh, the Nobel Prize. Yeah, but how can you break out of poverty is by getting a microloan, starting your yeah. own business. There's a there's another theory that um, poverty or terrorism is bred by poverty rather than um, religious ideology or dogma. I could be down with that. So yeah, Makes you start sense. You, you you go whoa 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 whoa. Let's stop this jihad, 
And maybe we can explore some business opportunities instead. Like, wouldn't you rather open up a jihad stand? Than blow yourself up <laughs> in the middle of that market? Right. Yeah. Um, and if you have a stand in that market, you're not going to want suicide no. bombers there. It's bad for business. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, well, a lot of people say there's not a lot of evidence, though, right? On the other side of the coin? Yeah, there's a Yale economist I quote in this saying there we, we are utterly devoid of evidence. Right. And there's some there's some studies that have shown that it doesn't necessarily help. Um, these people may repay it, but there, there's no follow through on them actually using the loan for what they say they're going to. Right, right. You know, I mean, like if you suddenly have three thousand soles, you blow it on. Yeah, you could easily do that, or you could, you know, pay rent or something like that. There's things come up. You know, how sure. much money have have you spent? that was marked for something more important, but right. you had to deal with something that was an emergency that came up, right? right? Or if, you know, someone knows, if your neighbor knows you got a loan and you get robbed or something, I'm sure other things happen. Mm-hmm. And apparently micro-lending's still young enough that it requires injections of capital, like these lending institutions themselves, right. to stay afloat. Yeah, they themselves aren't self-sufficient. Right, right. Which you have to have that self-sufficiency to help other people become self-sufficient. So yeah. I think the jury's very much still out. And, and just the... Uh, Theoretically, it's such a noble idea mm-hmm. that I can't imagine it won't be given more and more slack or whatever it needs to, to continue. To grow, sure. Yeah, and at a really 97% rate, I mean, you can't argue with that. No, and that 97% rate, though, has actually led to some really um, despicable plots. I oh, guess. yeah, the, the Mexican banks? Yeah, the Grameen Bank has actually pointed out that this vastly overlooked segment of the population are dependable to repay loans. Right. So as a result, People some banks have come up to create, to, to issue microloans, but not to help poverty, but to make money. Right. Specifically lent to the poor, though, still. Yeah. There's a guy in Mexico who owns the, um, they, they're kind of like the Walmart of Mexico. Uh-huh. Um, and I can't remember his name, but he's this multi-billionaire business guy and he said that his father taught him if you want to make money sell to the poor right mainly because there's so many of them right 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 so uh he started his business and made a bunch of money selling to the poor selling you know cheap consumer products through his retail stores well he founded a bank very much like walmart (laughs) he founded a bank called banco azteca right that's and, one of two, right, that does this? Yeah, they are a micro-lending institution that, that this guy owns, and they issue these small loans to the poor, the working poor, um, but at really astronomical interest rates. Yeah, they drive them further into debt instead of uh, pulling them out of the mire and the muck. Right, and they're still issuing these loans in these traditional societies that have these social pressures. They also use a lot of um, micro-lending practices like bankers on bicycles. Right. But these guys are the ones who come into your house and write down the serial numbers on all of your stuff. Right. And so we'll repossess this. And they do. Right. Um, and the, it, it's just it's a perversion of micro-lending. Right. It's, it's exploitation. Poor, yeah. Yeah. At APR is up to 100%, you said? Or more than 100%. More than 100% sometimes. So if you borrow $1,000, you pay back $2,000. Right. The problem is, is um, Banco Azteca specifically lobbied the Mexican government to be exempt from have, from a law that forces lenders to state the terms of their loan, including the interest rate on a loan, right. on the loan before they issue it. Right. So a person goes up and goes, I want $1,000. The, the, the uh, bank issues it. 
and the person walks away with their thousand dollars with no idea how much they actually owe. Right. Legally, they don't have to do kind that. Kind of like an arm. And you could make an argument either way, right? Right. And it's who, not just who Mexico, was responsible with, for those arms that you just mentioned? Was it the, right. the aggressive predatory lenders? Right, right. Was it the people who were greedy and said, wow, I can afford a $600,000 house even though I only make $40,000 a year? read the terms of their loan close enough. It's Everyone's to blame. Everyone is to blame. But Muhammad Yunus. Right. But we, I did want to point out, it's not just Mexico. We're not picking on Mexico. This is happening in other places, too. It is happening in other places. And there's a lot of companies that you know we're familiar with, like um, Citigroup, yeah. uh, HSBC Holdings, Zurich Financial. Uh, and I guarantee you a lot of the people who run those mutual funds that are heavily invested uh-huh. in these micro-lending institutions that are for-profit and exploitative. Yep. So I think if you uh, if if this has piqued your interest in microlending and you want to go on and maybe contribute a few bucks, do a little extra research to find out exactly what the terms are for right. the for repayment of those loans, who they're going to, who they're going through, right? Uh, and if especially if you're going to do it through a mutual fund or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I'm going, I'm to, going to scrape together twenty five bucks. You can do that. Yeah. I'll scrape together fifty. Pay twenty five to my father, and then give twenty five on Kiva. You only owe your dad twenty five bucks. No, but it's something. I oh, gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can find this article uh, how micro lending works in a whole bunch of. We have some really cool economics articles on the site. Did you know that? We do. Yes, we do. You uh, wrote a lot of them. I did. So did Jay McGrath. She kicked it. Yeah, on, uh, on money for a while. Um, you can find those by typing in probably economics. In the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, which, of course, friends, neighbors, loved ones, leads us to listener mail. So, Josh, this listener mail is actually very relevant. I saved it for this episode. Our buddy Stefan, who sent us our signs. Mm -hmm. Folks, we have people that are actually sending us things now. It's awesome. We've gotten uh, some... uh, Beer. We got beer from a microbrewery in uh, uh, St. Arnold's Brewery in Houston. Oh, my God, that was good. It was really, really good. Yeah. And we've gotten some little gifts here and there. And, of course, fan art is always coming in. But tangible things have been sent to us, and we're very grateful for that. I got a Michael Jackson shirt from Ben Ivey that he designed. Really? It was cool. You didn't show me that. I'll show it to you. Jerk. So, uh, Stefan, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say his name because he wanted me to. Stefan Bram. He uh, is in Newark, Delaware. And he and his wife are a uh, two-person team and opened up their own small business in January 2009 called Alliteration. A-L-L-E-T-T-E-R-A-T-I-O-N. Nice spelling. Thank you. You've forgotten to finish it with alliteration. <laughs> alliteration. And he uh, he sent us these signs to go in our studio. Uh, it has our studio name, and underneath one of them it says, Where Twinkies are revered and moonshine is respected, which we thought was great. Darn too. And I think his daughter helped him come up with that. Yeah. And then the other one says, uh, Where Badass Knowledge Happens. Yeah. And we're, we've got both of these hung up in our studio, and they look awesome. And we just want to thank Stefan and say good luck with your business. Yeah, big thanks, Stefan and his daughter. It and means his a wife. lot to us. And um, he uh, he said that they – he also wanted us to mention, if we could, that they try to use uh, recycled um, recycled wood and stuff to, uh-huh. to make it a more green business. And these signs were actually taken from like a children's bed or something like that. Poor kids. That's what he said. I know. Now his daughter's on the floor. I know. She's <laughs> so, like, I hope uh, Josh and Chuck are happy. If you want to uh, support Stefan, he says his website isn't – completely finished um you can go to alliteration.etsy.com or email him at info at alliteration.com it's two l's two t's and uh, steph is a great guy we, we wish him 
wish them all the luck in the world. Yeah. Quality business. Well, Chuck, also you opened this up for me to say this. If you want to send me and Chuck some cool stuff, you can get our information by sending us an email. Or you can just say hi, unicorns, torpedo, whatever. Or go uh, to the website and click on the contact button at the bottom, and it has the address. And you can just send it uh, straight to us. Yeah, but we won't hear from them then. They can include a written note, a handwritten note. Okay. And a, and a glossy photo. You know, I, well, then I have to. I still have to give the email here, Chuck. Go ahead. All right, whatever. If you want to say hi or whatever, just send an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Hey, everybody, if you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions.